Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. Today we're talking about bring your broken place, and really I'm preaching about worship today. You know, worship has always been an issue uh, within the church. It always has, and you know they've been. There's been songs written since for two thousand years about the grace of God, and there's been been different things with worship. The first, you got to understand, God asked even Abel and Cain to bring their worship and their very best offering to God, and we know that Cain did not bring his best, and Abel didn't. The first murder was over worship. People disagreeing with sacrifices and worship, and we've seen fights throughout the years with worship in church. And But, you know, I believe all that's just an attack of the enemy to bring us to a place where we don't focus on God with our worship, but we focus on something else and surrounding circumstances and things that had nothing to do with worship we focus on. And I'll be honest with you, it don't matter. I go to a lot of different churches and preach. And we just went to Indiana this past week, and they done songs I had never heard that was contemporary songs. And I'm like, my heavens, it was hard for me to get with at first because I thought I listened to it all. But I still just worship. Even though I didn't know the words, they put the words up, I just closed my eyes and worship because it had a beat to it that I wasn't even used to. And it was kind of techno, if you know what that is. And, and they had some sounds to it. And it was a little bit odd for me on the first song. Every night they done a song like that. After that, I was familiar. But I just said, you know what? I'm here to worship. I'm here to minister. I'm here to First of all, I'm ministering to God, and I'm worshiping to God. So worship is so many different things. But what if I told you today, with your worship, that you're standing at the edge of something, or even a doorway today, where your breakthrough is near? I believe there's a sound that gets the attention of all of heaven. I believe there's a specific sound just from you, and just from this church, that God is looking for, and it attracts God. God to us. Even in John 4, the woman at the well, Jesus said, those that worship the Father must worship Him in spirit and truth. He didn't say in spirit and religion, or in spirit and a certain song, or in spirit and perfection, or spirit and denomination. I'll be honest with you, I love the church of God, but I'll go and tell you, I love God a lot more, and I I just happen to be where I'm at this morning. This is where God's placed me, but I don't come to God with my denomination. I don't come to God with my perfection. I don't come to God with a way of doing things or religion. But he said, come to God with spirit and truth. What's that meaning? Meaning, whatever's true about me, I can bring with my spirit in worship. You see, everything about me may not be true in that moment, but I can bring what is true in me. See, a lot of people think they've got to be perfect, but I know I'm not perfect. And you know you're not perfect. So we bring whatever's true about us, and we bring our spirit to God in worship. See, I'm not perfect, but I'm still going to lift my hands. I, I, I may be in struggle, but I'm going to lift my hands. I may have messed up yesterday or last week, but I'm still going to worship. God will bring perfect peace to you and perfection to you when you worship. You don't worry about perfect because God brings perfect when you 
you begin to worship. It's impossible for us to bring perfection. We come in the name of Christ, which is perfection. But our humanity, our righteousness is just filthy rags compared to the righteousness of God. So when we come to God, no matter what state we're in, we bring what truth we have with our spirit, and then God meets us with perfection. See, God wants to meet you in a place of worship. That's why we do what we do every Sunday. We're trying to set an atmosphere before God of worship. You know, we, we should be to make it easy to worship, to sing, and, and, and to be uh, broken before God with adoration and praise to Him, with a true heart that's genuine to God. You know, God wants you to bring your pain to worship. He wants you to bring even with you your sickness. He wants you to bring your lack with, in worship to Him. He wants you to bring your hurt. He wants you to bring, even if you feel chained down, your chains to worship. He just wants you to bring your broken place to Him in worship. Think about with the alabaster box. The lady that broke a year's worth of wages was that alabaster's box. That ointment that was on the inside, she broke it. She brought just her broken life to Him. The real worship wasn't just the aroma of the ointment in the room, but the real aroma was that she brought her brokenness to God. Though she'd been places where she should, shouldn't have been, done things that she shouldn't have done, she still brought what truth she had. The truth was she needed a Savior. The truth is that she needed deliverance. The truth is she needed mercy and grace. So she came to the feet of Jesus with things broken before Him and brought worship to God. So I come by to tell you, you today. Bring everything that you have to God. The good, the bad, the ugly. There's always a truth side to you. So you can bring somewhat a truth to God and He meets you with His perfection. See, God is spirit and those that worship must worship in spirit and truth. For He seeks us to worship Him. How can the God that has everything be looking for anything? The God that has it all. He's seeking for such to worship Him. You mean the God that has everything is seeking for something. That sounds crazy. The God that has it all is seeking for something. He's seeking for worshipers. See, you, you see, the crowds do not equal worshipers. You have a crowd full of people to come to worship. It don't mean that there's worshipers there. God is looking within the crowd for those that bring real worship and God begins to meet you in that moment. See, can a crowd corporately do it? Yes, they can. But it's not about just lyrics or us saying parts of the song. It's coming with a heart that says, you know, God, I want you today. It don't matter what they sing, I'm in worship today. It don't matter what he preaches, I'm here to worship. It don't matter if I'm hot, if I'm cold, right? If I'm thirsty, if my thirst is quenched, I still have come to worship you, God. So yes, a crowd can do it corporately, but yet I believe God is looking for a specific sound just from you. He's looking for a sound from this house. He's looking for a sound from your house and from you as an individual. Who can worship? Think about this. Do you have to be smart or full of degrees for higher education or from a life of religion? No. That doesn't declare anything that that's what you have to have. In fact, anyone can worship him. Who can worship? There are many that can worship, but I believe the more broken you are, the more intense the sound is to heaven. When you are in pain, it screams out. But why don't you bring that scream and that cry to God? 
besides everyone else. We're whining about our pain and about our circumstance and about our sickness and what we don't like and all of our hurts. But why don't we bring that intensity that's already loud in the earth and say, you know what, God, in spite of my pain and in spite of all the circumstances, my hurts and my letdowns and and all the busyness of life, God, I'm just bringing it all to you today. And I'm going to let my cry be worship to heaven. See, my sound is intense for many reasons. I can look back over my life. And I know I should have died at a young age. There was moments in my life that I could find that I should have been dead, but it was the grace of God that kept me alive. I believe it was a praying mom. I believe that. And a faithful dad. One thing about I have a faithful dad that prayed, but I had a really, and I still do, a prayer warrior mom that kept on her knees, that kept the grace covering my life. So when I come to worship, I think I should have been dead in my sin and in the devil's hell, but because of a prayer of a mom then I can come to God in worship. There's been times I've been sick in my body and plagued and I know that it's the Lord my God that's healed me. You want to know why my worship is intense and why I shout out to God and my hands are lifted because I've seen my son healed. I've seen my wife healed. I've seen God deliver many people from so many different things. So I come to God with an intensity of knowing who he is and I bring all that into the worship service and I begin to declare and decree my worship to God. You see if God saved you and you know it and he's answered your prayer you know that should make you intense when you come to worship. Not passive. Well God thank you. Bless the Lord. That's not a sound. One thing about it we have so much pride on us that we don't want to lift our hands. We have so much pride on us we don't want to sing with the worship team. We have so much pride on us, we don't even get a posture spiritually. Not just physically. I believe there's a posture physically. But if you don't get a posture spiritually, then you'll never have a posture physically to worship. That's tweetable. There you go. I said that for Billy. She makes fun of me. I said that one day, and she's made fun of me ever since. So I said, hey, I'll just say that. There's moments it's just as tweetable, Right? Sometimes we don't have a posture spiritually. And when you're not spiritually ready to worship, then you'll never have a posture physically. You wonder why it's like, church. No worship. Just act like you're dying. It's because you're spiritually not worshiping. If you're really worshiping in spirit, then it would affect your posture in the physical. See, my sound's intense. Your sound should be intense. Who can worship? What class of people or race can worship? First of all, I want to surprise you today. God is not white. God is not black. He's not yellow. He's not even tan. He's just God. God is bigger than all races. For out of him, we all became. In fact, if you want to get down to it, Jesus was closer to the darker color than the lighter color in his physical form upon the earth. But God does not have just a color. He's all colors. He's all sides and he's all things. He is God. He's above race. He's above all nations and all races and all nations should worship God. Some of you are saying, I can't lift my hands because I'm so ashamed. Genesis 2 lets us know that you was created out of the dirt of the ground. And may I tell you, God is attracted to dirt. He's attracted to your sin. He's attracted to your mishaps. He's attracted to your shortcomings. He's attracted to all the junkets in your life. That's the reason why when you come to him with your broken place, he shows up right there just like he did in the beginning when he formed man out of dirt because he knew man and human. 
humanity would have dirt all the time and all throughout the ages that he would have to meet them in their dirt. He says, so why not create them out where I'm going to meet them? So we say, I can't even raise my hands. Well, you got to understand, God wants to meet you in worship to hand over grace and mercy. He wants to meet you in your dirt. Today, we're discussing a man in the Bible that everyone had given up on. He was isolated by society. He was a life that showed us brokenness. This man shows us also how everything can change in our lives with just one more worship. One more worship. What if today is your last worship? What if today is the day that changes you because of one more worship? Where the curse that plagued your family for years is now gone. Or where maybe the bondage is broken and it changes everything. Or the healing that you need or the peace you need happens in that moment of worship. Let's dive into this story in Mark 5. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, the country of the Gadareans. And when he had come out of the boat immediately, there met him out of the tombs or the cemetery, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night, and pay attention to this, always night and day he was in the mountain and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. Now we just read about a man that was full of 2,000 demons. He, He was in a broken place and he brought his broken place to Jesus. He had no hope. He was judged. He was left to die. He was embarrassed. He was mocked. He was tried. They tried to tame him. And the only time people would come to see him was just to check to see if he had some chains. There are some people assigned to your life to make sure you are still stuck in your mess because they like the fact that you're stuck. I met people before. They want, they, they don't praise anything good in your life. They exhort and make bigger the bad in your life. Run from those people. If I know there's something shameful in someone's life, I'm not going to bump shoulders with them and say, hey, how about that? I I got friends like that. There'll be 99 good things, but they'll find the one good thing. They're really not friends. They're acquaintances. They call you friend, but they're really not a friend. Some people want to see you stuck in your mess. But on the other side of the sea, here's this man. To work the story, Jesus had a sail to get to him. He's in this place of Gadaria, the Gadareans. But Jesus is on the other side in a totally different location. And here's Jesus. During this time before he meets this man, he's turning the world upside down. He's flipping religion upside down. He's doing everything opposite of the tradition. He's doing something brand new and something fresh. Jesus showed up after 400 years of silence between the book of Malachi and Matthew. There's no word from God. All silence. God not speaking. Then all of a sudden, Luke 2, there's an announcement that there's going to be unto you this day a child born, a Savior, Christ the Lord, announcing to shepherds. 
that at age 12, Jesus was sitting there and he was astounding the scholars and the Pharisees with his knowledge in the Word of God. Then at the age of 30, he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of the dove. But yet also, it was the Holy Spirit and the anointing of God giving him an anointing to minister in the earth. And he was cleansing the leper. He was taking withered hands and he was straightening them out. He was taking the, the dead and raising them back to life. He was opening blinded eyes. He was bringing healing. The broken people with broken places in their life was coming to him and he was setting them free. But then all of a sudden in Mark 3, we find that Jesus is in a time of prayer. And he's picking out his disciples. Think about this. Jesus was picking out some disciples. He didn't pick out the most educated. He didn't pick out the ones that you and I probably would have in the top 12. But he asked the Father, who are you going to use? Because these are going to be your apostles. This is who's going to be running, starting the beginning of the church. I mean, they wasn't the brightest people. Even when he said, who do you say the Son of Man am? He said who he was right there. And they was all sitting there. Well, some say John. Some say Elijah. Well, I just told you guys this is not a test. Who do you all say, I, the Son of Man, the Son of God, am? And finally, Peter said, well, you just basically said it. You are. You know, what a revelation. They wasn't the most brightest in Scripture as we look at it. Some of them, yes, were doctors. Some were tax collectors. Some were fishermen. But yet, they see it wasn't just the brightest. But in Mark 4, as we see, that also came a time when Jesus was with the crowds. And the Bible lets us know that he was preaching from the boat. So many people filled the sandy shores that he had to get on the boat to stand to preach. And the crowds were there. Jesus gets tired. And he tells the disciples, let's go and sail to the other side. Well, they come across a storm. The storm. Here's Jesus on his way, all set up. To get to this man at Gadari, it's full of 2,000 demons. Could you imagine the disciples are probably talking about, man, we just left some big crowds, miracles, awesome things happening. Right? And can't wait to, I bet you the crowds are bigger over here. You can hear them talking. I don't know if you've ever watched the Dub Jesus videos on YouTube that a youth pastor made, but you got to go look up the Dub Jesus videos for a youth group that this youth pastor made. It makes me think of Peter every time. But anyways, here he is. He's, there's no doubt conversation probably saying how big the crowds will be. I bet you it only gets bigger from here. Then all of a sudden, Jesus says, I got to rest. He was wore out. He wasn't sleeping in the spirit. He was literally sleeping physically. He was tired. He was flesh. He was wore out. And the storm come. They had to wake him up. And Jesus just speaks to the storm. Peace be still. Which is translated be quiet or hush. See the storm did not want to stop. But it had to stop because Jesus spoke. Someone with more power than the storm spoke. You may be in a storm today. But Jesus has more power than your storm. More power than your sickness. More power than the valley that you feel like you're stuck in. Jesus has the power to speak to it. But the disciples were thinking they were going to the other side. To see this crowd probably. But Jesus had it was not just about the crowds but he was about one broken man he leaves the crowds of revival to go and find one man there was not a crowd could you imagine they pulling well we see nobody over here all of a sudden what they see is a crazy man out of the tombs 
that no doubt was cut because he was cutting himself. He was crying out. He probably was jerking everywhere, probably talking in different voices. And he comes running. Jesus, you brought us from revival in the crowds to this guy living in a cemetery. But they arrive. And this man, here he is, he's, he's in a cemetery of sickness and pain and offense probably and unforgiveness and sin and shame. Just like many of us, we get stuck in unforgiveness or offense or some type of shame or sin or hurt in our past. And just as this man is living in a cemetery many times, we have broken places that we're living in that we need to bring to God and worship. This man lived in chains, cried out, and cut himself with stones. Stones represent a tablet or law or hardness. So he would cut himself with the letter of the law, with the commandments, because the law says you will never measure up and you're not good enough. This is why the law, this is what the law does to broken people, is when you're already down and out, you start looking at just the law and not God's grace, and you say, well, I'm this according to the word of God. I'm that according to the word of God. So you're just taking yourself and cutting yourself and living in a deeper shame. See, this is what the law does to broken people, telling you to stay in your chains, telling you to stay in your shame. But the law declares shame on you. But Jesus in grace comes by to take shame off you. See, Jesus went across the water, left the revival, went across the water, went through the storms, calmed the storms just to go to the one to tell this man, shame off you. This man had 2,000 devil, devils. He, he's crazy day and night crying out. But when this man seen Jesus, he ran to Jesus. I mean, he, he took all that he had, the, what truth he had, right? All the ugly and the sin he had, all that he'd done wrong, all the broken, all the hurt, all the dysfunction. He brings it to Jesus. You may be asking, did he leave his chains behind? No, he brought his chains with him. And that's the problem with worship is that many times we don't realize we're just chained. We're chained to religion, chained to how it used to be, chained to our hurt, chained to disappointment, chained to wounds, chained to our shame, chained to all kinds of things. And we think, well, I can't worship until I get free but Jesus is saying listen you're never going to get free unless you come to worship with your chains on that's our problem we're waiting to get free but yet Jesus is just waiting for us to come with our chains if you wait to get free to worship then you may never worship that's why you bring your addictions, your issues, your sin. That's the reason why you bring your shame. And if you take your chains and make a run to Jesus and worship, then there is freedom. Real worship is bringing your chains and all. The enemy thinks if he can just put chains on you, it will hush you. You can chain me down. Even the Apostle Paul proved you can be chained to a prison jail cell. Right? Where the sewage is and it's damp and cold and smelly and stinky, but he still yet had a voice. So he began to praise God even in his jail. You may feel like you're just under the jail, but yet you've got a praise in you and a worship in you and a sound to you that Jesus is waiting to meet you at your sound. When this man began to worship, his issues called out. The demon said, now think about this. When you worship, your issues begin to come out. The demon said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. Now, Jesus cast the demons out of this man. 
But before he done that, he came to him in worship. And then the issues begin to come to the top and speak out. Jesus did not speak to all the demons, but you realize Jesus only spoke to one. Yes, there were many. He said, I am legion for we are many. But there was only one demon speaking to Jesus. Sometimes we are at coming to God in worship and asking God to get rid of all the fruit that we don't need in our life or that we don't like. But it's not the fruit that Jesus needs to speak to. It's the root that Jesus needs to speak to. Because when the root is dealt with, then all the fruit is dealt with. Jesus spoke to the root. Jesus wants to speak to the root of your issue today in your worship. The Bible says he ran to worship. How, how did this man know who Jesus was? He had 2,000 demons. How did he know this is the one that's going to set him free? I mean, that's a good question. Very valid because Jesus didn't introduce himself. Hi, I'm the Messiah. I'm the Christ, the Son of God. You know, this is who I am. I'm here to deliver you. No, he didn't even say anything. He just showed up. And this man ran to him to worship. He cried out day and night, cutting himself with stones, asking for deliverance. He thought the stones would deliver him. But all they did is put more shame and cut him and brought him to shame. He cried out day and night for help in his broken place. Jesus leaves the crowd to get to the one because of a person's worship. I believe while Jesus was dealing with the crowds, he heard the cries of this man in Gadaria among the tombs. He said, I got to go meet somebody. But while we do it, I'm going to take a nap. And then when the storm comes, I'm going to go through the storm to get to you. That shows you that God is so reckless in his love as we sing about it. That there's no door, no mountain, no valley or storm of life that can block God from getting to you when you come to him with real worship. We think there's things blocking. No, when you worship, God will knock everything down just to get to you. Jesus leaves the crowd because of one. That's why we bring all of us to God. Our pain, our past, our good, our bad, our ugly, all in worship. And this man worshiped in his good and his bad and his ugly in this moment, filled with demons, but he kept worshiping. See, the law couldn't hold this man anymore. Because grace split the sea wide open just to get to him. And when Jesus came out of the boat, the man ran up to him to worship. He said, who's this one that's here? See, grace is going to touch you and move you. Even through the storm of life, Jesus will keep grace coming. Because Jesus is attracted to worship. Get the posture in your heart ready. When you do, next thing you know, physically those hands go up. Next thing you know, words begin to come out of your mouth. We should be convicted when we come to church and we don't even say a word in worship. When we don't even sing with the songs, we should be convicted. Because we're here to meet with Jesus. Why else do we come? He can't meet. Everybody in the room can be experiencing God, but there could be one not. See, the demons asked if they could have permission to stay in the region even. Then the demons begin to talk to Jesus. And here they are. How did this man know that this was Jesus? Well, it was the demons that began to speak, calling him the son of the most high. Called him out and said, you're Jesus. Instantly, then he said, this is God's son. 
Here he is. Here The demons even gave away to who Jesus was through his own mouth. Though he didn't have complete control, there was still a side to this man that said, I know what's going on, even though I'm kind of possessed, or I am possessed, and they got somewhat of a control. I still had enough in my flesh to run to him in worship because the demons didn't run to Jesus in worship. It was the humanity in this man that ran to him in worship. That shows me that there's no dark place so dark in you that can keep you from worshiping God. There's My God, you can be full of 2,000 demons and still yet run to Jesus. You're not so dark and so gone that you can't bring worship to Him. See, the man runs to Him because He's worthy of it, right? The Bible says that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we're saved, I believe in that moment that the demons cried out at him and said, Son of God, the Most High, I would believe he already believed in his heart that he was saved. Then when he confessed Jesus and basically was Lord of all, and he was asking for mercy, I believe in that moment Jesus accredited because it came out of his mouth because he was already believing in his heart. Wow. Salvation and deliverance was given to this man. Instantly. And it was the demon speaking and declaring Jesus. But in his humanity side, in his spirit, he was believing that Jesus saved him. See, God's going to credit your account and bring deliverance in the midst of your brokenness. When you bring your broken place to Jesus, it changes everything. This man that lived among the dead is now alive. This man that lived in a cemetery, cutting himself, chained up and full of demons, is now living. The Bible says in Mark 5 and 15, Then they came to Jesus, saw the one who had been demon-possessed, and he had the legion, the 2,000 demons. They said they seen him sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now there's a couple things here. The only confession and calling out and believing he did is when he worshiped the demons spoke through him and Jesus delivered him because it already came out of his mouth and he was believing his heart. But here's the next thing. People seen this man that was full of 2,000 demons breaking chains, living amongst the tombs, cutting himself worth rocks and stones and, and, and living in shame. And people just came to look at him to make sure he was still stuck in his mess. Now they see him clothed and in his right mind sitting next to Jesus. And the Bible says they were afraid wow why were they afraid they weren't afraid when he's full of demons but they're afraid now the reasons why is that some people like you better broken is the reason why they was afraid they're like we have nothing to talk about because now he's clothed in his right mind I believe the devil's scared of you when you get free what you will become in God I believe in worship the devil's scared for you to get free when you realize who you are in Christ Jesus they are terrified that you get a revelation of who the son of God is and who you are in him to those 2,000 demons, they had been in a lot of places. They had done a lot of wrong things. Could you imagine to be possessed with 2,000 demons? How many bad places would you have to be? How many bad deeds would you have to do? How many invitations to Satan would you have to give? There is no mountain too high or valley that can keep the grace of God coming to you even when you're at your broken places. They'll come to the music this morning. See, Jesus left a crowd. Went through a storm to get to this man, and there's nothing that can keep God from getting to you in worship. Today, my challenge is, is run to God in worship. Run to Him with your broken places. Run to Him with your hurt. Run to Him with your confusion. Run to Him with whatever state that you're in. Because when you run to Jesus, He meets you right where you're at. 
Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.